Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode 34. Wow. We come to you from Okinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutsuna Nations, the Iahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes on the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca. Our sources for the show today, Britannica.com, Biography.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, and the Netflix documentary series, Drug Lords. I thought for sure you were going to say, and the Netflix documentary series on Netflix, Drug Lords. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Um, also, for those listening at home, uh, this is take two, as we had to interrupt tank one because our cats knocked stuff off of a counter. Precious angels. They're lovely. Little street gremlins. Yeah. No. <laughs> back there if they don't stop knocking tuna off of them. Anyway. It is almost Christmas. <laughs> It might actually be Christmas by the time people are listening to this. Who knows? They're listening well, to this in the future. you know what? Merry December. Happy holidays. Yeah. To to all of the many holidays happening in December. Happy 2034 to whoever found this in the future. You poor sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the title, uh, as always, has given it away. We will be talking about Pablo Escobar in this episode. Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar. <laughs> I loved researching this one. I don't know what it was about this, but I was just enthralled learning about this dude. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. And just like, I don't know, it's one of those stories that you're like, this has to be made up, right? Right. Like, not all of this can be true. Yeah. They, some of the numbers we get into. This? Some of the numbers we get, well, almost. Um, some of the <laughs> numbers we get into as this goes on feel made up and this isn't like the year 1176 but like we're talking about like made up amounts of money yeah no it's absolutely insane yeah uh so without further ado you want to start us off well hold on thank you so much yeah for a wonderful 2021 of podcasts Mm -hmm. um this will be our last for the year yes so we will talk to you in 2022 i know that seems made up see you next year (laughs) Well, this was our last episode. Thank you all very much. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I've ruined it yet again. <laughs> but no, we really appreciate this. This was, you know, kind of a dream of ours for a while. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess hitting uh, the one year anniversary of the pandemic made us do it. Like, I don't know why we just decided to actually do it one day, but we did. And I feel like I've I've learned at least 34 things. Yes. Yeah, I would say so for sure. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, I would say maybe like closer to 40 because we had a couple episodes where there was like a few things tied in, you know, so that's true. Uh, but no, this has been an, a, a ton of fun uh, doing this and has certainly helped me pass the time uh, in 2021. So, yes, thank you to everyone. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Uh, and you can email the show at we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. It took me about 20 episodes to remember that one. And uh, in 2020, one of our New Year's resolutions is going to be to not have these two-week breaks in between episodes. So hopefully we'll be able to come out with a little bit more regularity. Or if it's not, at some point, we're just going to make this a once every two-week podcast. But we're going to try to stick to the weekly thing (laughs) for now. Uh, Anyway, um, I apologize in advance. My Spanish is not awesome. And sometimes I'll even try to say things with a Spanish accent to hide how not awesome it is. But just bear with us on this one. Yeah, don't worry. I'll awkwardly pause after every single thing you try to say. Fantastic. 
Escobar was born. I got that one. Uh, Escobar was <laughs> Massachusetts. born. Massachusetts. <laughs> December 1st, 1949, in the Colombian city of Rio Negro, Antigua. His family later moved to the suburb of Evigado. Envigado. Yeah. Three for three? Two and a Two half? Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it loses some of the luster if you... Like, you syllable sound it out as you say it. Oh, okay. Noted. Uh, Escobar <laughs> came from a modest family. His father worked as a farmer, while his mother was a school teacher. From a young age, Escobar carried a unique ambition to raise himself up from his humble beginnings. Some people... It's about drive. It's about power. He's too hungry. <laughs> yeah. He devour. <laughs> Some people go to school. Um, Escobar, while still a teenager, began a life of crime. His early illegal activities, including selling fake diplomas, mm -hmm. smuggling stereo equipment, and stealing tombstones to resell. Look, that's it just helps. blackmail. Oh, 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 you think to resell to the families. Who else do you re How can you repurpose a tombstone? It, it seems pretty pretty, pardon the pun, set in stone. <laughs> Good one. Thanks. I don't know. You get somebody chisels it into there. You could probably chisel it out, like buff it out, and put something else. I thought he was selling them. Like, get your tombstones here. I'll just change this P to an R, and right, yeah. Now you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, where oh, he also sold cars, and that was his first offense that led him to jail in 1974. So he would have been how old? He 15? would have been... 25. Yeah, 25. 25 years old. Things really turn around for, for him from that, there, though. That is a thing. Like, keep in mind, first arrest in 1974. Yes. This was a candle that burned hot, ladies and gentlemen. This was one, like, this was... A lot happens in a quick amount of time in this dude's life. Totally. Escobar's early prominence came during the Marlboro Walk. Marlboro War. Wars. Yeah, and <laughs> Antioquia doesn't sound so bad now, does it? Look, Marlboro Wars. There's literally a Marlboro in you Calgary. I just did. Do it again. Marlboro. Say wars after it really fast. Marlboro Wars. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> Anyways, the Marl... Fuck! <laughs> the Marlboro Wars, in which he played a high-profile role in in control of Columbia's smuggled cigarette market. The episode uh, proved to be a valuable training ground for his future shenanigans as a narcotics kingpin. Look, we've always said that cigarettes are the gateway drug. And in this case, it's just smuggling now. Quite literally. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't by chance that Columbia came to dominate the cocaine trade. Being in the early 1970s, the country became a prime smuggling ground for marijuana. But as the cocaine market flourished, Colombia's geographical location proved to be the perfect growing grounds situated at the northern tip of South America. Between the cocoa epicenters of Peru and Bolivia, the country came to dominate the global cocaine market with the United States, the biggest market for uh, the drug, drug buying, drug selling, and just a short trip to the north. Escobar moved quickly to grab control of the cocaine trade. Cocaine. Cocaine. In 1975, drug trafficker Fabio Restrepo from the city of Medellin 
was Medellin. Medellin was <laughs> murdered. His killing, it's believed, came at the orders of Escobar, who immediately seized power and expanded Restrepo's group. He held the criminal organization that later became known as, or sorry, he helped found the criminal organization group that later became known as the Medellin Cartel. His notable partners included the Ocha brothers, Juan David, Jorge Luis, and Fabio. I'm assuming no relation to the dude he just got killed. The one that was assassinated? Yeah. Totally not. Uh, Escobar served as the head of the organization, which focused largely on production, transport, and sale of cocaine. So all of it. Right, yes, yeah. Kind of just cocaine. His focus was on the entire operation of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Under Escobar's leadership, large amounts of coca paste were purchased in Bolivia and Peru, processed and transported to America. Escobar worked with a small group to form the infamous Medellin Cartel. In 1976, Escobar married 15-year-old Maria Victoria Geneo. The couple had two children together, a son, Juan Pablo, and a daughter, Manuela. He was 27 at the time. Yeah, I was going to say, let's do some quick math, but you did it already. That did is it already. uncomfortable. <laughs> so he's arrested in 1974 for the first time. Now yeah. he's married and mm-hmm. is the leader and is found p- putting the building blocks together of the Medellin cartel. Yeah, so in the two years post-arrest, yes. uh, kills a drug kingpin, Yes. starts smuggling everything, puts together a cartel, and marries a 15-year-old. Fantastic. Cool. By the mid-1980s, the Medellin cartel dominated the cocaine trade, with Escobar wielding incredible power and wealth. Escobar builds the Sicarios, a group of hitmen, to protect him as things start to ramp up. Popeye, the lead guy, admits in the documentary that we watched to organizing 3,000 murders and killing 300 people himself. Uh, Pablo would recruit the Sicarios himself. I just want to state, for the record, that's a lot. That's a big number. Yep. And... Um, in the documentary, it did not seem like he was discussing this from prison. No. So I think he got the plea deal of all plea deals. Yeah, he uh, helped to, you know, yeah. not to spoil the story. Right, yeah. He helps in the... Uh... The conclusion, we'll say. Yes. I mean, people know, people know Pablo Escobar. Hmm, got killed. Um, anyway. Had a crazy large estate. Yeah. Well, yes, we we will definitely get to that. (laughs) Uh, there was a judge that had an investigation into Pablo Escobar. The Sicarios would visit the judge. They said, we're here on behalf of Pablo Escobar. And, oh, hey, we have these pictures here. Is this your wife? And are those your children? Hmm. Oh, they are, are they? Here's six million dollars. Uh, let's just forget about that investigation into Pablo Escobar, shall we? And yeah. apparently, like, no hiding it whatsoever, right? Yeah. That's like, hey, hey. Very we, obvious. We heard you're into blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, hey, this is Pablo Escobar, here's six million bucks. Scram. Yeah. The thing that the documentary, because that, that was something that we learned in that doc. Yeah. Um, the thing that got me was that, you know, most people, most of the judges, if not all of them, took the bribe uh, and dropped the cases and fled or whatever they did. Right. The thing that really got me is that they did not have to offer the person money. No, that's I was the like, thing. What like, a what a freaking businessman. Yeah, if like you, it's like if showing you, pictures like, of your loved ones 
that's enough. Yeah. That should be enough. If you threaten loved ones, that's probably enough. I wouldn't be like, what else you got? What's behind door number two? Right, yeah. A boat's a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. Like that's, Even a boat. Yeah. Like yeah, it seems like it, it seems like a bit of a waste of money. But he, he just really like makes them an offer they can't refuse. Gets that job done. Yeah. At the time, Escobar controlled more than eighty percent of the cocaine smuggled into the United States. More than fifteen tons were reportedly smuggled each day. 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 Tons. Day. <laughs> Netting the Medellin cartel as much as $420 million a week. Week. Million. <laughs> week. 420. Yep. Which I thought, honestly, that number is kind of funny to me. 420. Right. Yeah. They started in marijuana. Anyways. They, they had to, like, at some point, they're like, hey, you know what would be hilarious? If we just, yeah, $420 million a week. Yeah, like, right. let's, let's set this up. You know, like, um, Sidney Crosby made his contract so that he would make $8.7 million a year to mm-hmm. match his jersey number 87. Pablo Escobar is just doing the same thing, only in hundreds of millions of dollars in cocaine. Only with 420 Blaze. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, you're saying Medellin. Is that how it's supposed to be said? Because on Entourage, they say Medellin. I thought that it was Medellin, yes. Oh, okay. Because there's, there's the double L yeah. in Medellin, and in the Colombian accent, you pronounce double L as a sh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Most times it's a yeah. Look, I'm not going to take my Spanish pronunciation tips from Vinny Chase and Entourage, but that is how that works. They, they had researchers on the show. Let's just say it both ways. Right. And we'll piss off equal amounts of people. Yes, exactly. Side. Yeah, we'll be wrong equally. We'll, we'll play to the fence here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. $420 million a week. Cash was so... so crazy. Sorry. Cash was so prevalent that Escobar purchased... $420 million a week. <laughs> Escobar purchased a Learjet for the sole purpose of flying his money. Uh, in the 1980s, cocaine was the drug of choice among elites in Miami. Miami. There's that Spanish accent. Again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was literally the perfect spot to do rails. And it was very close to where they wanted to, to where they were bringing it in. So it was yeah. very much the, the train stop that it would stop at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 1982, the FBI figured that he was bringing in 2,500 kilos of cocaine a day. Uh, so they would rent an island in the Bahamas that costed them $5 million a month. They would crash land planes full of cocaine onto this island. And then they would ship it on boats and just leave the plane. So there's a ton of planes on this Bahamas island. Yeah, they showed like an aerial shot and there's just planes scattered everywhere just dozens in the of trees. Planes. Like they were literally, yeah, it's it's crazy. So at the time, one kilogram of cocaine is worth $1,000 US. The plane, like to buy it, is $4,000. So one kilogram of cocaine at this time would go for $80,000 in the US. So crash landing a plane full of cocaine is netting you $75,000. Yeah. So your return, like your return on that is in the billions once you fa- mm-hmm. factor in all the planes that are crashed and then the boats that are taking it over. Yeah. Just, Again, just an insane operation. Rented an island. How do you even do that? <laughs> Money can do anything. Right. Um, keep that in mind. Escobar had an estimated worth of $30 billion. 1980s. And was named one of, the, money. one of the 10 richest people on earth by Forbes, which this is a mistake by me. I wanted to go back and read these. What write-up could you have on him? Oh, yeah, this guy has made $30 billion. Not a clue how he did it, though. Probably illegal, but we're just going to whatever. Like, I I wonder what those look like. Um, I can hear you typing, so I'll continue to 
um, <laughs> please to do this. He had a seven thousand acre estate called I'm not even gonna try. It's named after Naples in Italy. Um, but he made it in Colombia. The front gate has a replica of the first plane that he used to ship cocaine. Hacienda Napolis. Thank you. Um, that's what the place was called. It <laughs> reportedly cost $63 million and featured a soccer field, dinosaur statues, artificial lakes, a bullfighting arena, an airstrip, and a tennis court. The property also had a zoo that housed giraffes, hippopotamuses, and camels that I'm sure were treated perfectly. He also funded various projects to aid the poor, earning him comparisons to Robin Hood. That perception helped him, that was a weird way of saying that, that perception helped him win the election to an alternate seat in the country's Congress in 1982. Now, the documentary that we watched suggested that maybe the Robin Hood-esque-ness of Mr. Escobar mm -hmm. was to try to win people over to get that seat in Congress. 100%. If he donated enough right. to the to the Colombian community, he yeah. got a spot on a board. But that Colombian, um, I guess, reputation that he had of being a Robin Hood was real. People certainly were behind Pablo Escobar. However, the reasons for his wealth could not stay hidden, and two years after his election, he was forced to resign. The um, justice minister who revealed that Escobar's notorious background was notorious was then murdered. I have the story here. Okay. So he was in the first ever billionaires list that Forbes published in 1987. Okay. Fun fact. Um, there's a little bit of the write-up. Uh, highlights. In the write-up, they called him a husky five-foot-six-inch man, normally no. given to rugby shirts, chino pants, and sneakers. Escobar is a prime example of a Colombian paisa, an aggressive, unsentimental country hustler. So they know. They know that he's right, yeah. running drugs. But huh. nobody is stopping him. Right. Because he's stimulating the economy, and don't we all just love the economy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another story that was mentioned in the documentary, an undercover agent went on a week-long party with Pablo at the house. Uh, a waiter was... In Hacienda? Yes, thank oh. you. Uh, a waiter was stealing some silverware. Pablo got tipped off to this. And this guy, who was worth $300 billion, duct taped the dude's hands behind his back, duct taped his feet together, and then Pablo kicked him into the swimming pool... And they just watch the guy drown for the next few minutes. This is what happens when you steal a small piece of silverware from a dude who's worth $30 billion. Yeah. Um, I'm still on the Forbes list. Oh, okay. Uh, I just want to just throw in here that okay. he stayed on the billionaire list until July of 1993, where Forbes then eerily noted that we suspect that, as have his fellow drug lords, the Ochoa brothers, now languishing in jail, Escobar will soon leave this list, perhaps this earth. Whoa. Totally. And at the time when he's like on the run and he's a fugitive, uh, the bounty on him is $11 million. Uh, but his net worth still hovers at over a billion. Wow. So thank you, Forbes.com, for becoming a, spon a sponsor. Oh, oh, shit. That'd be nice. Oh, oh I'm going to make the billionaires list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for becoming a reference. There you go. Source. A source. 
During the episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> so at some point, Escobar kind of realizes that he has no shot of becoming the Colombian president. And the United States is pushing for his capture and extradition. So Escobar unleashes hell. Um, as he hopes to influence uh, Colombian politics. His goal was a no extradition clause and amnesty for drug barons in exchange for him giving up the trade. In an attempt to change the laws of extradition, Escobar offered to pay Colombia's debts an estimated $10 billion. Could you imagine that? Being able to pay off an entire country's debt? I guess if you can rent an island... Yeah, five million dollar a month rent. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. he like a, a like a harder working, more? I don't want to say he he's killed more people, but than Jeffrey Bezos. But I would say he is has. he like a harder working Jeffrey Bezos? It's up there. Yeah, definitely has that entrepreneurial spirit. Huh. Just maybe not in a great way. Although. If, mm. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, Escobar's terror campaign claimed the lives of three Colombian presidential candidates, an attorney general, a whackload of judges, and more than a thousand police officers. In 1989, the cartel reportedly placed a bomb aboard an airplane in an attempt to kill an alleged informant. More than 100 people were killed. That, None of them were the informant. That was a very sad part of the doc. Yeah, that was really sad. And yeah. that is right around the time that public opinion started to turn against little Robin Hood wow. here. Um, and we also saw a breakup of the Alliance of Drug Traffickers. The United States viewed him as a key suspect in the war on drugs. Like, fucking duh. <laughs> yeah. Escobar said that he would rather have a grave in Colombia than a jail cell in the U.S. President Ronald Reagan makes it his intention to stop drugs. Hard stop. Just stop drugs. Yeah. He ratifies an extradition treaty with Colombia so Escobar could be tried in the United States. Um, some... Sorry, just before you get going, this is more kind of background on him getting into politics. I kind of messed up the order on this. So no, that's, that's totally fine. I was just going to say that um, before he kind of unleashes hell, one of the reasons he does is because he gets thrown out of Congress. Yeah. Um, and then a Colombian justice minister goes after him. They order a raid on his cocaine factory in Colombia. It has eight airstrips, living quarters for 100 workers and manufacturing stations. And they just burn that motherfucker to the ground. Just a billion dollars worth of cocaine in yeah. flames. Th that, that's not hyperbole. They estimated it was worth around $1 billion. And it all started because a journalist just like dug into Escobar's past. And he's like, I think I've seen a mugshot of him. And yeah. that got him thrown out. Yeah. So. So that uh, the justice minister that goes after him. Uh-huh. That who went after his factory, sorry. Yeah. Um, he's assassinated. Right. Not, not too long after. Uh, in December of 1986, the journalist who published his mugshot was killed. Then the newspaper's offices were blown up. And I'll let you continue. Uh, so he goes into hiding. He trusts no one. He had a mistress. Escobar ended the affair, so she went to Popeye. But Pablo had a recording of the mistress talking to the DEA. So Pablo set her up and killed her. And then Popeye killed her. Pop, yeah, sorry. Popeye killed her. Yeah. It, crazy. Yeah. Just told her, hey, we're going to, to dinner one night. And then like got her to come out to take a phone call and killed her right there. That's very... What's that movie? Don't know. Pulp Fiction. Oh. It's like, oh, I told me to take her out to dinner to take care of her. To take care of her? No, no, no. Just take care of her. Right. <laughs> like that's that exact scene. Yeah. Uh, Pablo's plan was to overturn the extradition laws through terror. He had bounties on police officers. The DEA helps Colombia with the search block, whose sole mission was to hunt down Escobar. The head of the group was promised $6 million to stay away from Escobar, but unlike a number of other judges before him, he turned it down. 
They intercept a call where Escobar is trying to get a girl to come over. Escobar is tipped off that they've been tipped off uh, and that a raid is coming. And they start shooting at a helicopter that is flying by and force them to retreat. Pablo retaliated with more terror attacks. They put, as we mentioned before, a bomb on the plane of someone who they thought was uh, an informant and killed over 100 people. Escobar also started kidnapping. He gets the attorney general, kills his bodyguard. In all, uh, they kill 457 police officers. Just um, wild. Remember that time that we were like, some of it got unbelievable. Yeah. This is about that time. Right. This seems like a movie. And this seems like it's like, okay, we get it. Like like a billion dollars of cocaine gets burned at this factory. And yeah. Then he's so he like, kills you know almost what? 500 police officers. Like all of these seem like if you put them in a movie, it'd be too much. It'd be too much. You'd be like, it's not, it's, it's too large of a scale. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But um, I guess it did. It, it happened. Yeah. Amid the growing bloodshed, a massive manhunt was undertaken to find Escobar, while the government also began negotiating for his surrender. While Escobar's family was in hiding, Pablo's daughter, Manuela, got sick. To keep her warm, and this is true, Escobar burned $2 million in cash. <laughs> She's like, oh, we need some kindling for a fire. I have this money. In the late 1980s, Colombian authorities seized some of Escobar's enormous fleet, including 142 planes, 20 helicopters, 32 yachts, and 141 homes and offices and a partridge in a pear tree. In June of 1991, on the same day that Colombian Congress voted to forbid extradition in the country's new constitution, Escobar surrendered and was subsequently jailed. His imprisonment, however had little effect on criminal activities and his lifestyle. This was unbelievable. He was allowed to build his own prison. Yeah. A luxurious prison that later became known. Why do I get all the Spanish ones? La Catedral? <laughs> We're going to get a Japanese episode, and I'm just going to style on you. La Catedral. Thank you. It sounds like cathedral, because it's the Palace of Sin is what it becomes known as. Yes. Uh, the facility included, as all good prisons do, a nightclub, a sauna, a <laughs> waterfall, and a soccer field. It also had telephones, computers, and fax machines. He had a bed that was bigger than a king-size bed. Oh, like a California king-size bed? In prison. Sure. I don't know. It was just double XL king, whatever double that is. XL king. Yeah. Just like Pablo Escobar, that husky five foot six man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a palace of sin is what they, they referred to it as. But it's just a giant crime center. And then, um, I actually don't think we mentioned this in the notes, so I'll just throw it in here. Okay. Uh, part of that deal too, about him having the, his, you know, his castle prison, uh, was that he got to pick the cellmates. Yeah. So a lot of them were just other drug runner criminals. So he just invited them from other jails to his castle jail yeah uh he just and, had a, like a, a getaway with his buddies and the part that i thought was really interesting was that no government officials were allowed to visit his castle prison yeah without 24 hours notice <laughs> uh what a prison like a renter right <laughs> no oh yeah oh and uh, one more thing after I build my prison castle. Uh, do you think you could just, like, give me a heads up when you guys are going to come so I can, like, dust some shit under a rug? Right, or... yeah. Or up my nose or whatever. Like... <laughs> or, you know, put it on a plane and send it to the Bahamas and the plane will crash and then we get more cocaine to the States. You think you'd do that for me? Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks. 
Uh, so, oh, you said that about Pablo Sal. Oh, no, I didn't say all of it. Oh, Pablo Sal was a two-room suite. There's his custom bed, double XL king. Uh, he had an office, a jacuzzi, a walk-in closet. The DEA bought a property across from the prison and tried to intercept calls. Pablo also bought a property next to the prison and had an intercom uh, to it just to set everything up real nice for him. So. Yeah, they they thought that the like lines coming out of the place were phone lines, but it was just like electricity so that he could run the intercom thing. Like he, It's an amazing setup. Yeah, if you love crime. Right, yes. If you love crime, this was an amazing setup. Yeah. So while they're at this, I'm going to keep calling it prison castle. That's fair. Castle prison. Yeah. Even though it is like cathedral. Anyways, Mm -hmm. palace of sin. Uh, They kidnap a couple of former cartel members who have stolen from Escobar because he loves revenge. They kill them, cut them up, and burn them in a huge bonfire. Totally normal. Yeah. The government is pissed and well, try to move. I, mean, I would be too. Like if your neighbor's having a huge bonfire, like the smoke comes over. Like, I know, you're like, oh, is that barbecue? Yeah. Oh, it just smells. Oh, barbecue. The government is pissed and they try to move Escobar to another prison, but Escobar sees them coming because of the heads up shit. Yeah. Uh, and flees. The DEA and the CIA are helping with this raid and he's on the run again. The search block gets a tip of where he is staying. It was a shack that still included a gorgeous bathroom. <laughs> In the documentary, they said he was like obsessed with really nice bathrooms. Yeah, it's like it literally is like a rundown, falling apart place that features a giant ass jacuzzi. Yeah, a jacuzzi. Yeah. Uh, there was no sign of Escobar when they get to the shack. He was hiding in a sugarcane field. Escobar releases Popeye to turn himself in. Next, he tries to get his family out, but they're met at the airport by the DEA, who tore up their visas. Which, I mean, seems fair. Uh, the government moves the family to central Bogota. Escobar calls the president, who says they will only accept his... Uh, unconditional surrender. The family's hotel is also wiretapped. Yeah. On December 2nd, Escobar calls his son, saying they might get sanctuary in El Salvador. They trace the call to the neighborhood where he's at. There is an agent who sees Escobar looking out the window, and they make their move. Pablo's on the second floor. He and his Sicario take off to the roof. The Sicario, shot dead, falls off the roof. Pablo then shot thrice and is dead. Yeah. Um, There was... The shots were like one in his leg, uh, one in his shoulder, and then the death blow was like to the side of the head. Yeah. Just insane. So that's in 1993. Yeah. That's December 2nd, 1993. Um, He had just celebrated his 44th birthday because he was born on December 1st. Uh, He allegedly, the day before he uh, was shot, uh, enjoyed cake, wine, and marijuana. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, living it up right to the very end. Yeah. Escobar's death accelerated the demise of the Medellin cartel and Colombia's central role in the cocaine trade. Uh, His end was celebrated by the country's government and other parts of the world. His family was placed under police protection. Still, like, with all this in mind, many Colombians still mourn his killing. More than 25,000 people turned out for Escobar's burial. Um it was like some people were posing with the with the dead oh, body, yeah. like DEA officers and CIA officers were literally posing with his corpse. Yeah, it looked like trophy hunters. Yeah, but the Colombian president said that it was a huge relief that he had been taken down, and they said that they were happy because the entire country was safer because this one man was dead. Which, looking at the numbers, is not a lie. Yeah, <laughs> but again, the a lot of people in the mm-hmm. uh, Colombian 
public felt differently. Uh, a quote here, he built houses and cared about the poor. One funeral goer stated at Escobar's funeral in a story reported by the New York Times, in the future, people will go to his tomb to pray the way they would to a saint. Following his death, Escobar's lavish Colombian estate was transformed into a theme park featuring animals, life-size dinosaur models, and Escobar's collection of classic cars and more. I like that they had to literally change almost nothing, and it became yeah. a theme park. <laughs> they just were like, there's no more cocaine here, right? Okay, now it's good. We can let kids in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is estimated he was responsible for 4,000 people's deaths. Mm -hmm. About 10% of Escobar's earnings were lost to spoilage. Rats likely consumed the bulk of that. I really like that fact just because it it makes me realize that, yeah, he's not keeping his money in a bank account. Right. He has physical dollars. Yeah. That he burned for his daughter to stay warm and also that rats got to eat. Yes, they literally ate the rich. Oh, I love it. Well, the riches, anyway. The riches. Uh, today, Escobar's son is a motivational... Uh, mo wow, I don't know what language I <laughs> thought that was going to be. That's an English word. A motivational speaker. Motivational. <laughs> yeah. Today, Escobar's son is a motivational speaker <laughs> who goes by the name Sebastian Morokin. Uh, Sebastian studied architecture and published a book in 2015, Pablo Escobar, My Father, which tells the story of growing up with the world's most notorious drug kingpin. He also asserts that his father had committed suicide. Could you imagine being a kid in a place that had a soccer field and, uh, like, giraffes? No. Literally no. No. Quote, My father's not a person to be imitated, Sebastian said in an Agents France press interview. He showed us the path we must never take as a society because it's the path to self-destruction, the loss of values, and a place where life ceases to have importance, end quote. And that's the story of Pablo Escobar. Yeah. How wild. It's crazy. This was one. It's crazy. I was actually, like, a little bummed out when we, okay, it's time to record this one, because it's like, I just enjoyed learning about this dude. Like, again, I feel very bad for the 4,000 people that he killed. Of course, but, Yeah. Like, I'm not, again, I don't, I don't want to feel like, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm glamorizing him in any way, shape, or form, because he was an awful human being, but it was just that the whole thing was fascinating to learn about, and it ties in so many different things at one time, you know, like everything that's going on in Colombia at that time, and also the Just Say No that was coming out in the United States, and the war on drugs, mm -hmm. and you have Miami that is just bust and loose, yeah. and then you tie in everything that we're talking about today with how, like how rich do you really need to be? And he's literally lighting money on fire to keep warm and rats are eating part of his $300 billion. Like it just, it tied in so many different things. It was, yeah, it was crazy to, to learn about this dude. A hundred percent. And I would just like to remind everybody. Yes. That he was born in 1949, arrested in 74 when he's 25. Yeah. He dies at 43. Right. So he does all this in... Less than 20 years. Yeah, 18 years between being arrested and... Just yeah. wow. Crazy. Just wow. And yeah, I don't want to glamorize him either. Uh, I think that, yeah, he was, a, he was a bad dude and he got away with a lot of stuff because he paid people off. Like, that's all, you know, the, the quote-unquote good stuff he did for the community. It was, it was payoffs. It was buyouts. Yeah. It wasn't ever... The, the intention was never to be good. The intention was self-serving. Yeah. But... 
yeah, it's just absolutely insane. And and like we've said, if 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 this was a movie, people would be like, it's not real. Yeah. This is way too much to be real. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And it kind of like I th- I say this a lot, but this is one I'm definitely going to research more on after cuz <laughs> Dude is yeah, it's just it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah, everything that went on. Um, have you seen? There's a famous picture of him in front of the White House. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, he um he had diplomatic immunity, and at the time, and so like he is one of the most wanted criminals on the planet, but he just gets his picture taken in front of the White House. Wow. Like it's just like yeah, I can do what I want. Like that is again. Aside from lighting money on fire to keep your child warm, it's one of the most badass things I've ever seen. Oh my god, he's there with his son. Yeah, he's like, <gasps> yeah. I know you guys are looking for me. I'm right here. Wow. Yeah. Could you a bit like that's that is not like a, a diplomatic area. Anyone can walk there. Like, could you imagine if you just happened to walk by Pablo Escobar one day? Oh my gosh, you're just like taking photos with your family, and you're like, mm, it's Pablo Escobar in the background. Yeah, like, oh yeah, just it's a nice sunny day. I just want to go out and get some exercise in 1982. I'm just gonna go. Oh hey, Pablo Escobar. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for listening, as always. Yes. And thank you for uh, downloading and coming with us on this 2021 journey. Yeah. Appreciate Ho- it. You can... Hopefully you have a, a happy new year, happy holidays, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk to you in 2022. If you miss us, you can always email us, wehadnoideapodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Instagram. Maybe we'll post some uh, some little wrap-up videos there. Or... Yeah. Uh, also, I want to do that again where we picked how or what episode we did with like tossing the pens in the thing. Yeah, our cats loved that. I know that's not necessarily like a big trend now, but I still see a couple people doing it and I want to do that again because that was a lot of fun. Okay, let's do it. All right, deal. Okay, well, thank you so, so much. Rate, review, subscribe. You know what? You could even purchase a subscription to this podcast and give it to somebody for Christmas. <laughs> purchase it for free. I was going to say, uh, did we start a Patreon that I didn't know about? We sure didn't, babe. You could buy it for free. (laughs) Okay, yeah. The free gift of knowledge. Send us no money. Yes. Just downloads. Yeah. Pay us in downloads. (laughs) Things things you will learn about from this show. Rats eating money. How long it took to build a base for the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) How awful this country has been for a very long time. And the evolution of one's pronunciation of the state of Massachusetts. And on that, happy 2022. Massachusetts for life.